Hi everyone, my name is Alat Navan. I'm a professional mentor and organizational psychologist. I'm here to bring up topics that I think everyone, no matter what demographics, should know, and to help my listeners start asking themselves important questions to level up in life, whatever that means for you. If you find my podcast useful and want more podcasts, visuals, and personalized help, I'm here for you. I'll be giving my contact information at the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Love Your Damn Life. In the last episode, we talked about manifestation and mantras. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would recommend it before starting this one. The science is similar between the two topics. I go more in depth or you know, give different examples in the last episode than I am in this episode. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about how your everyday language shapes your world, Millennial Adulting Edition. Specifically, how some words that most of us use are limiting the way that we look at ourselves and the world around us. If you follow my TikTok or Instagram, which you totally should, shameless plug, it is alatna.vaughn, you will definitely have heard me speak on a few of the words I'm going to bring up today. Quick disclaimer, there is not a lot of research that has been completed on this topic. It is still very, very new, but I'm diving into it today because I think it's important. It's impacting us right now, so why not talk about it right now? Let's get started. Normally, I start with a definition, but today our topic is a little more abstract. Instead, I'm going to review some of the science. Don't leave me. It won't be too in-depth. If you listened to me in my intro, you would have gone to the Manifestation Mantra episode and learned about neuroplasticity and how our words impact what our neurons are telling us. If you have listened to that episode, go ahead and skip ahead a couple of seconds. This will be review. In the last episode, we focused on using positive phrases and consistency to help us achieve. The same science applies here. Our neurons run the whole show for us. When we use specific words and phrasing, our brains take the meanings of those words and phrases and subconsciously cement them into our belief systems and our actions. So when we constantly complain about something or refer to it in a negative way, our brains will automatically start making negative associations. Since this happens on a subconscious level, It's really hard to recognize and avoid it without some serious self-awareness or someone pointing it out to you first. Enter me. Get ready because we're going deep into the history of why things are the way that they are and I will be hating on common phrases and language and hopefully giving you a new perspective on your vocabulary. Millennials and zillennials, I'm mostly talking to you As a Zillennial, this is the culture and vocabulary that I am used to. For my other lovely listeners, take this as a lesson to apply to your own vocab. There is so much that goes into it. I cannot cover it all, but let's go over some relevant history. There's this weird general acceptance of generations being named, categorized, and then certain traits are associated with each generation. Have you ever stopped to think of why. In reality, there 
really isn't a rhyme or reason, except that humans like to categorize things. But having said that, as generations grow and have shared experiences, the people of a generation do tend to adopt similar outlooks and traits. Historically, it takes a large widespread event to create this kind of consistency throughout the generations. The Great Depression and both of the World Wars had such a big impact on the collective human experience, we still see the effects impacting our lives now, and baby boomers were massively affected by it. But I'll be doing a whole future episode on that. Now, with the invention of the cell phone and the rise of the internet, it takes a lot less than a world-changing event to create a sense of community within our generations. Why am I telling you this? because millennials were the first generation to experience the bonding qualities of the internet. But we're not necessarily digital natives. We found similarities across borders and demographics that previous generations didn't have the opportunity for. The rise of the internet created a shared sense of humor and culture that generations before us were baffled by, like genuinely did not really understand. But it also raised the economic bar for us in a way that hadn't been seen in almost a century since the Industrial Revolution, which ironically happened around the same time in the 18-1900s, which is just a fun parallel. And this is the turning point in my mind. In the generations before millennials, there wasn't a high expectation for college, and a lot more options were presented to young adults trade schools, military, college, and just starting entry level to work your way up. They were all viable options. By the time the early 2000s rolled around, the internet was making information more accessible and college became the expectation. For some reason, the adults before us decided that with this information at our fingertips, we would no longer be successful in anything but a corporate box. It limited options for a lot of young adults who really were not cut out for corporate and not cut out for college. What ended up happening is instead of being encouraged and prepared in high school to join the grown-up world, millennials were pep for more school, even if they weren't planning on going. Home economics or machine shops were no longer requirements. Military recruitment slowed down. Ultimately, any classroom alternate vocation was cast aside for college. At the same time, pop culture was putting girls in the spotlight. You heard me right, girls. But they weren't actually girls. Think back to popular TV shows and their leading ladies. Peyton and Brooke from One Tree Hill, which was a super popular show in the early 2000s, they were acting as 16-year-olds when they were in their 20s. Britney Spears and Paris Hilton were pop icons that both had distinct girlish qualities, even though they were also in their 20s in the early 2000s. The iconic Britney schoolgirl outfit, Paris's sexy baby voice, it made them seem younger and the media was all about it. So not only were we being prepared in high school for more school, but people in their 20s were being viewed as teens. This changed not only our perception of what 20 looks and acts like, but it also changed everybody else's as well. 
And with that, a phenomenon known as infantilization was born. It's basically like infant and then illization, which is making someone younger than they are. I'm sure you've all heard the complaints about millennials ruining this or millennials failing to launch. Personally, I don't know if I've actually seen an article stating that, but it doesn't matter. The information that those articles are out there is well known and talked about. And as we know, that is all it takes for your neurons to start making connections. And with all of that, our slang words, beauty expectations, and vocabulary changed. Millennials and everyone else adopted language that infantilizes our younger adult generations. Now, the evolution of language is a natural progression that happens over time. So I'm not saying this is inherently wrong, but I am saying that this infantilization and bringing these words and outlooks into our culture is holding us back. It's so embedded into our everyday that it's impossible to completely cover it. But let's start with how we address each other. My fully or my mostly fully independent friends, do you refer to the people you date as, quote, men or women? Or do you tell your friends that you've met a new boy or you're seeing a new girl? When you see a group of people your age out and about, do you refer to them as a group of kids? These are all things I've heard come out of people's mouths probably in the past three months or so about other adults. We can legally drink. We can be drafted into the military. And we pay our own rents and mortgages. We are adults. We are dating adults. And we are hanging out with adults. If you're not dating or hanging out with adults, take this as a direction. With every, quote, boy that we meet, our expectations about their skills and abilities don't grow because our language isn't growing to reflect new standards. With every new girl who we go out with, it seems like it's a treat to find out that she's independent and responsible. These are no longer treats. They are requirements. When we keep our language descriptive for kids, our brains don't know that we are not looking for those qualities anymore. Adjusting our language will help adjust the way our brains process what we're looking for. I'm not saying stop having childlike joy in your life. Keep buying stickers and eating ice cream for dinner. I'm saying by describing your friends and the people that you choose as romantic partners as adults, your subconscious is going to start looking for qualities that it believes are adult qualities. Your expectations for everyone around you will start to rise. I cannot tell you how many times I've joked with my friends when we're seeing someone new, like, oh, do they have a bed frame? And if they have a bed frame, it's like, ooh, green check, green flag. No, that is now a base requirement. We are in our 20s. We have jobs. We're buying ourselves bed frames. No more mattresses on the floor. Now, let's talk about how you speak to yourself. I talk about it on TikTok and Insta. When was the last time you referred to yourself as an adult? Before I started thinking about this topic, I had never even really considered myself an adult. Have you ever seen the Broad City clip about being a child bride at 27? Yes. 
that is pop culture, baby. I mean, we now have the word adulting. Adulting is defined by dictionary.com as an informal term to describe behavior that is seen as responsible and grown up. But I just want to emphasize here, it was on dictionary.com. It is a popular enough phrase or word that it is on a reputable dictionary website. And this word coincidentally entered into mainstream slang around 2008 via the internet. Also coincidentally, that's when elder millennials were entering into their mid to late 20s. That's when they were starting adulting. Given our history lesson, this makes sense. Millennials were entering into the workforce, but they weren't feeling prepared. But what is the use of adulting doing to our outlook on the world? Adulting is a whole new word created to describe being an adult. It makes it an action instead of a state of being. Instead of making it personal and inherent to be an adult, now you don't have to. You can be whatever it is that you view yourself and do adulting. The difference between I am an adult and I am adulting. This is influencing how you view yourself and your capabilities. The more you use specific descriptors, the harder your neurons lean into the meaning of those descriptors. You refer to yourself as a kid and your brain will see every evidence to back that up. It will also make being an adult seem scary and different. And maybe most importantly, our neurons will believe it and that's what makes it true to us. In my humble opinion, if you're living on your own and paying most of your own bills, you need to start referring to yourself as an adult. Don't be afraid. You don't have to do anything differently because the change in mindset will start making you believe that you are capable of doing life on your own, which coincidentally, you already are, babes. So keep your girls' nights, keep your boys' nights, maybe considering calling them nights out or nights in if you feel so inclined. But what are we taking away? The words we use have a direct impact on how we view our lives and ourselves. The fear and anxiety that is associated with growing up isn't serving you anymore because you've already grown up. Acknowledging that in your everyday language will help it seem less scary and more normal. Changing a mindset starts with the language that you use. Tell yourself the narrative that you want to embody and watch how working towards that narrative seems easier to accomplish. My final thought for you today, the next time you hear someone refer to you as anything but the grown-up that you are, you remind yourself and them if you're feeling spicy that that is not the case. You are already doing it, so they better catch their language up. I have included a Q&A to this episode. I'm pretty stoked about it. I would love to hear what words you want to keep around and which ones you're going to get rid of and add. And that is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Now, everybody, go out, be an adult, and love your damn lives.